Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, hello and welcome to a very merry iconic podcast. I'm Danny Pellegrino. I'm Jenna Brister. Jenna, how are you doing? Fabulous. How are you doing today? I'm so good. We have a very special guest. I'm so excited to chat with him. His name is Alec Gillis. He's an Academy Award winning animatronic special effects and prosthetic makeup effects character creator. And also the co-founder of ADI. Alec, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for inviting me over today. I'm so excited to chat with you because Jenna and I on the show, we've been kind of diving into a lot of these holiday movies. And one of the things we noticed that we really loved, I think we were when we were talking about Jingle All the Way, it was like these animatronic characters that kept appearing. Uh, and then your daughter was so sweet to reach out, and she mentioned some of the things that you've worked on. You did, all, you worked on all of the Santa Claus movies. Yes, yes the Tim Allen Santa Claus movies, which are so truly iconic. I mean, those movies play all the time this time of year. Yes, good for residuals. Yes. Good for- <laughs> And you did the fat makeup for it, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know what was great about those movies was that, um, like, these days, movies tend to get um, parsed out and sectioned up, and they figure, for whatever reason, they say, like, well, if someone's building animatronic reindeer, they can't possibly have the talents to also do the makeups. But we were coming out of, you know, it, it was the tail end of the sort of, like, um, era where, you know, one group is handling everything. So, so we got to do a, a wide variety including like toy soldiers, you know, the, the right. army of toy soldiers and as well as makeups and animatronics. So now we're going to talk about that, but before we do, you've worked on literally everything. Yes. <laughs> I was All looking the- at your IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's insane. Like Jumanji. Uh, wait, I have the list here. So the Santa the Claus aliens. movies, aliens, tremors, castaway, hollow man, Jumanji. You even do- have done some other movies that you wouldn't anticipate being like special effecty movies, like failure to launch. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you did most recently bright, sorry to bother you. Annabelle creation and it, you designed Pennywise. Mm. I, let me, <laughs> let me give the show. Shout out to Andy Muschietti, the director on that, because there's a the, the term design sometimes um, get is a muddy term. Andy handed us a sketch, and it was Pennywise, mm-hmm. and because Andy's a, a very good artist, he was a storyboard artist before he became a director, and it's sort of like a stylized uh, character of it without the detail and without Bill Skarsgård's likeness. So then, as the designers of the makeup, what we do is we transpose that concept on but all the elements the you know the little um um you know thing that came out the smile that came up through the eyes was all in there for andy so i love that when a director comes with a bunch of real solid ideas 
uh, that are great. You don't have to talk them out of anything. You just you know, <laughs> run with that. that. That's great. So yes, but yes, go on. You were fawning over me and yeah. I interrupted you. <laughs> well, I'm curious with it. Do you feel like a lot of pressure when you work on a project like that? Because the fan base for a movie like that is so fervent and especially something like that, which has been done before. And you know, people are looking at it so closely. Is there mm-hmm. like an extra added layer of pressure? Well, um, responsibility. Yeah, for sure. Um, but we have had a lot of experience in dealing with those established franchises and we've been called blasphemers, you know, when we, did, even on, on, uh, alien three, I, I worked on aliens, the second alien movie that, uh, Jim Cameron directed and then formed my own company with my partner, Tom Woodruff Jr. And ADI, um, right? ADI. Right. That's right. Um, and, uh, we started, uh, probably the first big franchise we inherited was the alien series, which we were on for a while. And on number three, uh, it's a xenomorph, which means that it changes according to its environment and according to the script and according mm-hmm. to the director. Uh, but there were people who in the, in the nineties were just up in arms and calling us, you know, all kinds of names on the new internet. And that was, yeah, I was yeah, going to say message was boards that? at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Handwritten letters. Yeah. So, so, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so we swim in those waters. So, yeah, so, I, I don't, so when it came along, it was like, oh, this is cool. You know, this yeah. is like a great, like as much as, as beloved as the Tim Curry one was, um, I was never that into it, honestly, but yeah. I love Stephen King. So if there was a way for us to tap into the Stephen King aspect of it, and also you don't want to just kind of like look at what another makeup artist has done. Shout out to Bart Mixon who did the original and it was great. Um, but you try to like, you know, find the little nuggets that um, will make your work uh different a different iteration than than before right? and you mentioned that he the director gave you the sketches and then was there a moment where you get bill skarsgård in the chair and remember in mrs doubtfire when the uncles make the doubtfire mask is that is that real like can Kinda. you take a clay mold walk me through it i'm fascinated yeah. by this don't use mrs doubtfire as a tutorial if you're <laughs> yeah. going to um we find your uncles back, so yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yes we apply a a dental material nowadays it's a it's a silicone it used to be what's called alginate, which was a water-based material mm-hmm. that they do tooth casts with. It's still a great, uh, a great material, but uh, the silicones are much better, more accurate. They don't shrink all that stuff. So we'll put the goop on the face. We don't put straws in the nose that I, I don't know anyone who has ever done That's that. Other than a movie amateurs. Thing. That's just a movie thing. Then. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it seems to be maybe a Madame Tussauds. I mean, the literal lady yeah. Madame Tussauds back in the day probably did that when they were putting plaster directly on your face. But the problem with straws is that it distort, it can distort the nostrils. And then also if you're working around a face mm. and you shove a nose, a nostril, what am I talking about? You'll be like that sea turtle. That they pull the straw out of the nose, and now we can't drink with straws. Yeah, anymore. safety hazard. Yes, want, and, yeah. and we're in a straw band. I want to back up a, a minute. Can you describe for listeners the difference between practical effects and something like CGI? Yeah, so if you think of uh, CGI as a graphic image, a virtual image that is a um, kind of um, you know created through the use of computers as an artistic tool. It, they're like paintings, right? It, it, and, and, and they don't exist in any form in reality. Whereas what we do is based on traditional arts, sculpture, design, uh, makeup, costuming. And it is a real thing that is in the same environment as the actor, ideally photographed at the same time as the actor. So the light that's hitting the actor is hitting the 
the the character, be it an animatronic or a makeup or a specialty costume, and then acting is reacting. So if you have an actor standing in front of a real thing that is menacing them, um, you know, you get that much better, more powerful a performance, in my opinion. Right. I agree, too. And I, w- I was looking at it and really thinking about this whole idea. And it seems like we've moved so far away from practical effects in a lot of movies, and especially like the Marvel movies I look at. And there's the whole last act, which those movies are great, too, but the whole last act will be just like CGI. And then you look at movies from the 90s where you do have more practical effects. And I was wondering, do you... Uh, I, how do you feel about... Do you feel like movies are benefit from having the practical effects? Um, well, I know that in the, you know, when the digital revolution started, which was um, around the time of uh, Jurassic Park, uh, so what was that, 94 or 93? We were working on Death Becomes Her at the time. Uh, such I, an iconic movie, classic. too, which I watched last night, knowing you were coming. Did you watch yeah, it? I did watch it, and Isn't I, I want to ask you about it. It's, it's so great. I, 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 just, I can't. We watched it. I took my four daughters <laughs> to Sinestia uh, in the graveyard here in Hollywood. And we watched it, and and I, I was just blown away at how good it still is. It holds yes. up so much, yeah, yeah, it's it does. yeah. But but on set for that was when one of the guys from ILM, a guy named Ken Ralston, who's won a million Oscars, he says, "Hey guys, come here, let me show you something." And he put a, a VHS tape in and showed us the first test of the digital T Rex, oh, just walking yes. in place like a walk cycle, and we're like looking at all the nuance and the way the skin moved, and we were like. Holy shit. Uh, Are we just out of work? Are we out of a job here? And then, so we got, we had some time to prepare for it. And Death Becomes Her had a lot of digital work in it as well. Um, But we had some time to mentally prepare, like, what does this mean? What exactly is this? Because people who were, you know, doing makeup and practical effects like myself were, you know, it was like the stock market crash of, mm. of 1929. People were getting out of the business, killing, no, they weren't killing themselves, okay. <laughs> but, um, but they thought their careers were being killed. And we just said, eh, we're just going to stay the course and, and just um, do what we do. And maybe the pond will shrink. But at, what happened was that more movies utilizing CGI started being made, which carried us along with it. Mm. So even though we were not maybe in the driver's seat as much as we had been, we were still doing plenty of work and, you know, expanding and, and putting kids through college and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I'm indebted to it. And the more you mentioned the Marvel movies, you can't make movies of that scale without digital. In fact, you can't make any movie without digital. Every movie right. now, every shot has some digital aspect to it which is invisible to us so a lot of the times you know my fans if you if you look if you follow my social media which i hope you will is this yeah i just did what's your my my instagram is alec underscore gillis and if you want to follow my uh, company adi it's the studio adi and then we have a youtube channel the youtube channel i was looking at last night and it's so fascinating and also on your social media you share all sorts of stuff there is something i saw shared which i'm a huge fan of that i am legend movie and i saw you had shared your design that you were working on uh, that movie with ridley scott i believe and then uh, of course it was later directed by somebody else but you had shared the designs that you'd worked on and it was amazing to see Mm -hmm. little nuggets our youtube channel is built on uh, all the things that we've done that didn't make it to the screen those <laughs> oh, really, those fun. break people's heart. Those videos. Right. I'm sure. The cutting room yeah, floor. Is the, what's the one that breaks your heart? Um, well, I am legend is kind of the big makeup job that got away. I was sad about that, um, and I would have. I am a huge Ridley Scott fan, so the the only chance we had to work with him was on the development of the of the makeup characters, and 
and then the movie didn't you know didn't go and 10 years later it, it happened but it was all digital um so that that was one we also have one uh, a video up of the green goblin uh, the original green goblin we did for the sam raimi film that um was nixed because it was too realistic it actually <laughs> looked too much like a flesh and blood character and he wanted a mask he wanted he thought it was more appropriate to the story but do you think he was wrong? Because <laughs> um, like people well, do, kind of were critical of that yes, eventual it, mask. It, it's interesting. They were. We did that one too, by the way. Yeah. I saw the well, original on social media that you guys did, and it was like almost, it had like a, a horror aspect almost. It does. Yeah. I mean, it's frightening. It's really frightening. So, so you know, the director's job um, is to make sure that the tone and the approach, whatever that, whatever that thing is, that problem that, that they are looking at, that it fits with the overall vision of the film. And whether, you know, it's a cool video to look at. Would it have worked um, for the film? I think it would have, uh, but I can see why he went away from it. Although at some point he did ask, you know, when we're on set standing there and there's the Green Goblin, Willem Dafoe and Tobey Maguire are in their Spider-Man costumes and, 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 you know, Green Goblin. And he's like, how is this going to be any different from Power Rangers, right? Where it's just heads. Mm, right. And I didn't have any good answer for him, but that's when we started like at, at the, at the 11th hour started going on like, well, maybe we need to do some things where like a visor lifts up so you can see Willem's face, you know, start doing some tricks to connect you back to the actor inside these things. Couldn't do much with Toby because. You know, he, he was he was that character, but that seemed less egregious. So, did you work on the Toby costume? Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that I mean, talk about fan bases. Yeah, that, yeah. one yeah. of the biggest. Yeah, um, that, that was a critique for the Spider Man. Um, for each one of the movies, I feel like the costume for Spider Man is always so. Uh, yeah, such a conversation, and 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 very technical. There's a, a, um, a costume designer James Atchison who we worked with on on uh, on that, but we did a lot of. Uh, muscle suits underneath and the raised webbing with the metallic look of the webbing. And, you know, just how do you, how do you put an actor in a, an enclosed hood that has a plastic shell under it to keep the, the mm-hmm. iconic shape and give him lenses that don't fog up, you mm-hmm. know, from his, from his breathing and make mm-hmm. sure that he's got enough stuntmen have enough air so that they don't pass out while, so these are all the, all the developmental challenges and, and, you know, what were you like as a kid? Were you just making shit all the time, or like yeah. what was <laughs> inventing? Um, yeah, I was kind of a uh, uh, let's see, probably very very similar to what I see. You know, when I now that there's the internet, you can get out there and you you know everybody's um, what's going on in their head is 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 everywhere. It was not mm-hmm. that way back in the 1920s when I was a child. <laughs> um, but but the uh, uh, I was just a weird kid. You know, I was just always very attracted to anything lurid or weird or monsterific uh, on TV, old movies, black and white movies. And, and then my father was an insurance salesman. He, 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 he had sold insurance in New York City. So he worked in 30 Rock in that building. He would like pound the pavement as an insurance guy, yeah. selling in and coming in and trying to sell whatever. And he sold a, a, a policy to Dick Smith, who was the makeup artist who did The Exorcist and Brando's makeup in The Godfather. Oh and my went God. So wow. my dad knew something about this and was very interested. And my dad would do doodles and sketches and stuff, even though, you know, and he's now he's a 93-year-old guy who has cancer and paints. And so, you know, he's always had a creative Paintings, urge. by the way, it's supposed to be very, very therapeutic. I was just reading an article about how, yeah, 
Anyway. I think he gave him cancer because it's the red cadmium number two. He was licking the brush. No, that I'm joking. Okay. 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 Yes. That happened. I, yeah. I can make jokes about my father's cancer because my dad is the happiest dying man you've oh. ever met. He's he's like he's got mesothelioma. He's like uh, you know he's always sends those mass emails of like I'm glad I'm leaving the planet soon because. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what is a Justin Bieber? You know, yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah. Uh, I love that. So, talk about the Santa Claus movies. How did you get involved in those? Because it were, I mean, this is a, a Christmas themed episode, but I'm also interested in all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, well, the Santa Claus movies. Um, what year was the first one? 93? I think ninety four. Ninety four yeah. probably was made in ninety three. Yeah. 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 So Disney was, uh, my, I have a theory here on this on why we got that job and somebody else didn't. It was a low budget movie. I think it was maybe a $14 million movie. I don't know what that would be in adjusted dollars, but, um, Disney has always been notoriously cheap. That may be changing now that they, that they saved up their money and now they own the world. Right. But, um, but we were perceived early in our career since we had worked for a guy named Stan Winston on aliens and the original predator and, you know terminator things like that and then we formed our own company we were kind of perceived as equals to in quality because his work was our work there was that you know time period before we had really established ourselves and so we were doing some jobs and i think we were seen as a cost alternative to him or to rick baker for instance you know rick baker's another who a legend who has done, you know, American Werewolf and how, uh, uh, American Werewolf in London and all that stuff. And but I think the Grinch, did he do the Grinch? The Grinch. Yeah. Yes. And, and so, so we benefited early in our careers as being kind of like the young up and comers who were like, so it being a low budget movie, uh, and us being ready to, you know, die on the, you know, in the effort, right, right. um, the we got Boston. the job and, uh, and it was a blast. It was, it was, it was not an easy job, but it was, it was great. So you put, he had a fat suit on that mm-hmm. whole time. He was the Santa Claus, right? So when you get to like the third movie, is the actor just exhausted by everything? Well, he was exhausted after the first after film. The I mean, first. he wore, to, to give you an idea in the first film, I think he wore the costume and the makeup 56 days. Oh my Ugh. God. Yeah. And you, you, that's actually like, I don't know how you deal with that your, with your mental health. And I but do it. No. there's also a physical thing that happens where you can develop a heat rash over time. Um, where you have to, production has to give someone a break. You can't just do it every single day. You could do it for, you know, maybe six days, or so, but these people need some time off. Their bodies just he need started a break. developing some rashes and boils and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. And they had to reschedule and, you know, shoot some other things, mm-hmm. um, which is a drag because you, you don't want to torture someone with it, but it, it is a form of torture. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to dog my art because people can put green dots on their face and, a digital face but a lot of actors do prefer they like to see themselves uh transform mm-hmm. and tim was like that he's method he would yes yeah. did you say method method oh no oh no no it was cocaine it was cocaine yeah, yeah, yeah it was cocaine. cocaine yeah he was out of jail fresh out of the clink <laughs> when this happened right. um yeah. so how long uh, i'm so curious about this too so getting him in the suit and ready to go to set what was that like like what was the call time were you there after the suits designed yeah yeah, so we would we would start with the head cast and then you know design the character and you know show the sculpts and you know what's a fat belly look like. He had to lift his shirt and show the doctor this jiggly yeah, fat belly. Scene, right? Yeah, and and like you don't want it like when he lifts his shirt, you want it to be a kind of a pleasing fat belly, not a. So I actually I based that on my father in law's. Uh, my father in law oh was an overweight fellow 
but he had this really high riding kind of cute, <laughs> like a jolly belly. Yeah, like so a sweet. jolly belly, and the kids <laughs> would always sit on and slap yeah, his yeah. belly. No cellulite, all that stuff. So, yeah. um, so you have to think about those kind of design things, and then eventually you make all your rubber pieces, and then you do a few tests, and you put it on camera, and you go, "Oh, look, the beards are too white. They need to be. We need to knock them down a little. Things like that." Uh, How many tests do you do before you bring it to the actor? Do you do it on uh, other people around the office, or do, is he from the beginning? <laughs> the intern. We, we yeah, the, we did actually. There, there, there was we, there was a, a guy in in uh, our office, Tony Matijevich, in our shop, who um, who was the same size, physical size as Tim Allen, so we could have him model the belly. He could jump up and down. We could check the the jiggliness of it. And um, but when it comes to the actual application, you got to do it on the real person. Um, because it's it's made to fit their face very specifically, mm-hmm. and we were using um, a material called foam latex, which is something that has been around since the Wizard of Oz. First use of foam latex, I think, was mm. the Wizard of Oz, and we still use that for makeup. Wow. Although now we're using more silicones that have a translucent quality and that to the eye look uh, look completely real, whereas the foam latex. To the eye, it doesn't really look that real, but in movie lighting, it can look very real. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question about how long, it took about two and a half hours to wow. to to put him into the the wigs and the beards, um, and then you know another. If you needed to get him in the fat suit, you know it would be another the the not the under the clothing fat suit. That one was just fabric, and you could zip him up, step in it, you know. And but but it would take another you know forty five minutes to get him all all decked out, all ready to go. Where does wow. it go then? Like, where does the fat suit? Do you, is oh, it yeah. like in a Disney museum somewhere, or is it you know broken down? What What's interesting is um, this may have changed. I know Warner Brothers has a very um, strict archival system now, and they have a great uh, um, museum. If you haven't been on the lot, ooh, okay, they have got Out they've got Burbank. beautiful costumes. I got stuff from the Harry Potter movies and Batman movies and things like that, but. The normally that stuff just stays with whoever makes it. Although the Disney at the time was not, they weren't very careful and they took a whole bunch of stuff. And then for some reason, their archives sold them all off to people. And so on the second film, yeah, the second film, they had to buy their own props back from collectors to use them again. That because they maybe didn't see the sequel coming. Well, yeah, because it was a low yeah. budget. They maybe didn't think it was going to be, a, be. A, a huge be. thing. Wow. Do you have just an archive of stuff that, like, do you go into your basement sometimes and just like, holy shit, look at all that? There's the alien. Yeah, I do, I, yeah I, do, I do have some stuff. The thing with what we make because of the foam latex, it rots. So things literally just decompose if you hang on to them. You know, they'll last a few years, but they just start decomposing. And then what's left are the mechanisms. And in fact, the Meryl Streep twisted around back of the head mechanism. I just sold that uh, to somebody who, you know, will give it a good home. But I was going to ask like you to job. send it to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, I could send you a picture. There of it. was I'm so much sure. stuff in Death Becomes Her where yes. I was like, oh, I wonder, you, you must have worked on all of it. I mean, the, the Goldie fat suit. Mm-hmm. Goldie fat suit was done by a different uh, a different artist by the name of Lance Anderson, a very talented guy. That was a great one. That was great. And then really the head, I, I mean, there's so much yeah. stuff in that movie, but it's such an iconic film. So when you're working with these actors, do they just get, I'm not specifically Tim Allen, but do they start to just terrorize people on set? Because they're, <laughs> you're talking about Tim Allen, aren't you? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, we saw I cranks. We covered Christmas. I would imagine. I listened like, to your cranks thing and, and I can, I can inform you a little bit about please do. Tim's yes. personality. Um, 
I never saw any kind of like mean spirited aspect of Tim. Tim is um, one of those guys that uh, like if you go out to dinner with him or you get in a cab because he's a recognizable person and he loves it. And there is a lot of, he's very gregarious. Mm. Uh, He'll, he, he is a, he's a teasy guy, you know, Mm. but he also likes the back and forth. He's not a monologuing comic who, who just, you know, has to dominate. Um, So we had a great time with him, but he does not, understandably, does not like wearing that makeup. Yeah, sure. And, and in fact, he came up with a plan to not wear the makeup for the Third second one. film. Okay. Yeah, in the second film, I think he's mostly back to Scott, I think. Was that was his character. idea. Yeah. He was like, he, he told us that, I got this great idea. I'm going to wear this goddamn makeup for about 10 days max. <laughs> and then, because I'm going to desanif, if I can't find a wife, I, I'm no it's longer perfect. Santa. And he pitched it. He pitched it to the uh, to the studio, and they go, "That's a great idea." And the B story could be that there's a toy Santa who takes over in your absence, and you'll play that part. So he had to wear that more times oh than he was in makeup more than uh, the normal movies. I would think by the third one, he'd be like, "I'm not wearing it at all." Like you got to figure out a way to do it. Santa's into fitness. And wasn't Martin Short was in the third one, who I love. I worship him. I think he's so funny. Should, yeah, as do I. He's- Fantastic, and he was, I think, Jack Frost in that mm-hmm. one. And so, on those movies, you also did those toy soldiers, right? Yeah. So, those were. How do you even start? Because that was something that there's not really like a design already for. We, uh, I guess, there- we the idea, like we always look for for what's the backstory because we think of e- each of these things as characters, whether or not they're just you know dumb monsters or whatever. So for for us, these toy toy soldiers were a uh, little tin toys that had been scanned or whatever and through the miracle of the pantograph were made giant and imbued with life somehow um but we started looking at uh various uh tin toys and we discovered that these old like 1920s and 30s tin toys are very crudely made and when you look at them you know when they're you hold them in your hand you go "Eh." but when you zoom in on them they're they're creepy as hell (laughs) they're and and we were showing this stuff to tim and he, so he was jumping in on the design process as well. And we designed some things that were really scary, like splits, you know, of like the seam line right down the face, mm. which is like nothing we would ever do, but a toy maker might without any concern for aesthetics and faces that are misaligned, yeah. kind of crazy looking. And we presented them to the studio and they were like, no, <laughs> too creepy. Yeah. So they made us like soften them. And Tim, Tim was like, you know, don't soften them too much. Don't, you know? And so we, we, came up with a look uh that is creepy enough but um it, and it actually it has those were some that uh we made about 25 of those and um i was trying to the, we were involved in a charity auction and i'm like hey why don't i i'll give you like a couple of these they make christmas decorations for people oh toy soldiers full body yeah the nutcracker whatever and the people looked at them and they turned them down because they were too weird looking. No one was interested in these weird looking um in their foyer. You walk yeah. in and it's like Yeah. Uh what about the reindeer in these movies? We mentioned the, did you work on the reindeer in, in the yeah. Santa Claus movies cuz they're the animatronic, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The in the first film um we did the the full size guys um and then another company did the flying ones and they were mechanical. This was early in CGI's uh, development. So uh, the, 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 those reindeer kind of, you know, may have felt a little more mechanical uh, than what you would get with CGI, full body CGI. By the third one, 
we did very sophisticated flying reindeer that Tim was riding on. Um, and then also there were some, there were digital shots and those are very dynamic and very fluid. But yeah, the first ones, uh, were a little, um, we changed them radically between the first and the second film because we kind of realized that they, they looked a little reindeer are very ugly. They're, they're very cow like. And, and you we, have to kind of Disney fy them a little bit. Yeah. We did. But, and we didn't really do that in the first version. We were sort of still like we had done the movie Wolf with Jack Nicholson, where we were taking wolves and transposing Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer's faces and out of all, you know, forward facing. I worship Michelle Pfeiffer too, yeah. by the way. Yeah. She's neither here nor there. I ruined her macrame top. <gasps> oh, what? Making the mold of her face. Yeah. And yeah. I did give her the option to go change. And she was like, oh, no, that's okay. It's, you know, like, oh, that's good yeah, and I, at least. so and i was like i found myself picking at her top like oh, no and she's like that's okay that's okay please that's okay stop oh, my God. was she just stunning Sorry. i feel like she's the most stunning person in the world like she's yeah beautiful. she's yeah she's it is very you do get she has no pores on her face oh, my God. you okay. know i haven't seen it. this was in yeah, that 90 was, whenever right. three or four or something mm-hmm. but Following that, we were kind of into this mindset of like, well, here's how you make a, a, a an animal look more intelligent. You humanize it, and that, and I do feel like they they didn't look they looked a little weird. They looked they looked a little weird. <laughs> there so was, always, when we did there was always a scene in those in all of the holiday movies where it's like the reindeer farts or something, and then it's like, like Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it. I miss it. One mm. eyebrow raise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What do you have a favorite character design in all of film? Not necessarily something you've done, um, but something yeah. that you like worship or you think that oh my god that was you know it. Martin Short who we both love, love all him. three of us yeah um, he said uh, he didn't say it to me I read it in his book he said I something just read about his book which was I loved it his I got memoir. the audio uh, version mm-hmm. people told me that I should have I didn't even think of it I was so stupid it's but, so uh, touching I people yeah. I know I cried I mean t- I'm talking about Nancy his wife and, yeah yeah and the parties their their holiday parties they would have I mean he would talk about uh, <laughs> just ignore that um, he would talk about Goldie and Kurt Russell coming to sing or yeah. uh, Tom and Rita mm-hmm. I mean it was amazing yeah, yeah. And he is like that. He's just such a warm person. And, and, um, but, but one, one of the things he said, and I think it was either in his book or some interview, he said, um, that it's not, uh, like, uh, what, it, what impacts you is not who's famous or who's great or whatever. It's who's famous when you were nine. Mm, right. So it's the same thing for me when I watch, uh, movies. The thing, the things that still give me the chills and all that are, you know, the original Planet of the Apes with Child Neston and all that stuff. Frankenstein, seeing the first Frankenstein on TV as a kid. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of like uh, weird sci-fi movies, you know, that are inside baseball, like Kaltiki, the immortal monster, uh, things like that, that, that I, that still give me chills. But also one of the first movies my dad showed me um, was Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. Have you seen that? I haven't no. seen that, no. Betty Davis, I think. Oh, when she was a little too old to be playing a, a bride on her wedding night, an ingenue, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but it's it's uh it it was I think the part was uh, the other part of the evil like relative was offered to Joan Crawford. I think at one point it was going to be one of oh their God, right. movies, and it went instead to Olivia De Havilland, who's great in it. Um, but they're trying to drive Charlotte crazy because on her uh, wedding night, uh, her bride, her her groom was beheaded. And somehow, you know, she stumbles into the into the party with the blood stain on her dress. It's all black and white. And there's like a head rolling down the. And oh they're, my God. they're trying to drive her crazy with fake 
chopped off heads and things like that. What's this called? I hush, hush, sweet show. I need to watch this. It's so it's lurid and it's great, but the, but like those kind of movies, I I, yeah. I still love. That's not to say that I don't love Baby Yoda, for right, instance, of course. who's very new and fresh such and a huge thing all of a sudden baby yoda that design i wonder i, I mean it became yeah. such a phenomenon yes i'm i'm jealous of it it's something i wish that we had built yeah uh it's funny you mentioned things that when you were nine that you love and jumanji was one of those movies for me like i was obsessed yeah. with that movie and now of course they have the new ones out uh but yeah i remember being it's interesting as a kid i feel like the movies we grew up with they had a sense of horror or a sense of scariness to them like jumanji i remember being scared but enthralled by it and i don't i feel like that's missing for kids movies a little bit now maybe i'm just in a different generation or something yeah it's hard to it's hard for me to say but i i agree with you there was a darker quality with and yet more humor, mm-hmm. the right. Goonies like, even is similar. Yeah. You know, very dark story, uh-huh. but so fun. Monster Squad. Did you guys? Do you guys know the film um, Monster no, Squad? I, no, that was a um, uh, Shane Black and Fred Decker wrote this, and and it was another kind of lower budget movie I worked on in the eighties. But it's like, you know, like it's scary and 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 dark, and um, and I don't know if the stakes are lower now or if it's just given over to flash and trash and loud noises and. Mm-hmm. Um, or if, or if just being older, things don't impact you as much. And I don't know. But yeah. I was thinking about Jumanji and I was thinking like about mm-hmm. how I was scared as a kid by certain things. And I was thinking, what was it? And I remember being the little boy, the brother or Kirsten Dunst's brother. I was scared when he turned into the monkey. I was like yeah. scared yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Cause it's awful for you as a, as a child to, yeah, if you, if that happened to you and you couldn't speak anymore and, and it, it yeah, those are the personal things that are. Those are more horror beats. You know, sci-fi tends to be bigger and more epic and less mm. um, personal, which is why, I'm, uh, you know, as I've gotten older, I've, I enjoy horror more. Mm. And it used to be the other way around for me. I love the big spectacle. And now I like things that are more subjective and character driven. And uh, right. When you were working on something like that, that's family friendly, do you get, I mean, you mentioned Disney, but from Warner Brothers, I believe, to Jumanji, did they give you notes about like pulling back on kind of the scariness because it was for kids or was that, you know, uh, in our, again, there was a, there's been a change somewhere in the <clears throat> maybe early two thousands, but from the eighties, I've been doing this literally for 40 years. I started wow. working when I was 20. Um, so eighties, nineties, early two thousands, you really didn't hear from studio executives. You mm-hmm. would hear from the director. And it was between you and the director. You didn't even have, you know, you didn't have some strong producer. Even Gail Ann Hurd, uh, who produced Aliens and uh, the, the, of the films that I worked on, uh, Aliens and uh, Tremors, she she would give comments, but it wasn't. She wasn't the overriding power. It was like, well, the director mm-hmm. is the person. So. I didn't hear from Warner Brothers about the look of the lion or the what the, you know, I found a weird seed pod in the parking lot of my daughter Camille's preschool. And I'm like, this is what the giant plant, the man eating plant should look like. And that's what it became. And there was nobody like going, wait a minute, you pick something up off the ground and that's all you you know, we want to see 50 different versions of this. Um, so we didn't have a lot of interference on that. that. Your daughter's here. And I wonder if you wouldn't mind telling us, were you excited by these projects as a kid or were you, it's just like, 
Yeah, I, I think my sense? dad ruined me because I thought that um, your whole life would just be going on like big, fabulous movie sets and <laughs> hanging out with Robin Williams and getting to travel. Um, and that's what it was for you in the in the 90s because what you did um, was such a centerpiece of so many movies. Um, and it's definitely scaled back since then. And um, I guess with the changing landscape, uh, it's it's presented new challenges, but it's exciting also to work on smaller things like Sorry to Bother You. Right. right. Which was just last mm-hmm. year, this huge, it was an independent film, but it was a huge yeah. uh, critically acclaimed film. Yeah. And another one that was like, uh, <clears throat> you know, these, these film, the ones that are the best and that I enjoy the one, most are the ones that find us uh, rather than, you know, pounding the pavement and sending out emails. Hey, looking for work, which we still do, which we have wow. to do. Um, but sorry to bother you found us. And I, I'd have to look back through the email chains to see to see how it came to us, but so unexpected and um, low budget film, and uh, just like what what a great thing to have on our resume uh, at at this point when it could just be like a lot of people are doing like prop helmets for you know Marvel mm-hmm. movies and things like that. Nothing wrong with that, sure. by the way. And that does kind of offer a return to working directly with the directors as opposed to the the studios. If you're working yeah. on something smaller budget, you get that relationship. Yes. Yeah. And and that's part of why, just as long as she's got the mic, part of why we're working together, Camille and I, to create um, small independent films that have that kind of focus, and that where we're not trying to, we're not trying to create a universe. We're trying to, you know, uh, paint a picture, and we have lesser, smaller effects, but hopefully better or more, you know, character based and, and that sort of thing. I think it comes across on screen as more intimate when we see the practical mm-hmm. effects. I, I don't know. I, maybe it's just because I've been thinking about it so much in the past 24 hours, particularly. But I do feel like it adds an element that's missing a lot of times when it's just the CGI. I think a lot of people agree with you. Yeah. Um, I think that if, if, I think that maybe movie studios don't realize that people, that an, any random audience member can really tell the difference between something digital and something practical. And, and like you were saying, it reminds them maybe a little bit of their childhood. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's tactile and it's real and it creates, it creates a different experience. Um, and that's probably part of the reason why Baby Yoda is so popular. Right. Because Werner Herzog told them they were cowards to replace it with digital. Did you guys hear that? No. I read an article uh, that uh, they built this puppet, which is, this happens, it's happened to me, it happened on The Thing 2011, where they replaced most of our work with digital work that was wow. rushed, and the fans did not receive it well. Mm-hmm. But Baby Yoda, they had a little puppet there, and you know, you stare at it long enough, and you start to understand its limitations in your in your mind, and you start going, mm, well, maybe it could be, and Werner Herzog was like, are you kidding me? You know, for all the reasons that we love practical, everything that you're saying, he said, you are cowards if you replace them, there's more practical baby yoda in it because of Werner herzog that's amazing mm. did you have a favorite of the projects your dad has worked on uh definitely uh, in middle school saying that he worked on joe dirt got oh me a lot God, of attention so from boys sure. <laughs> well, yeah. straight boys love uh, yeah. joe dirt truly <laughs> now you uh had also worked with nora efron am i yeah. Is that, what did you, which Michael, the movie Michael, right, with John Travolta, with the wings, the, the angel wings. And, uh, that was again, like a, you know, a project, uh, uh, to. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Like we were not letting that one go. We were in the running, right? And we were like, what do we have to do to make sure we work with Nora Ephron? Because that's a voice that we monster guys would not normally get to work with. Right. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, we went to, you know, like come to the um come to the Beverly Hills Polo Lounge for breakfast. She's just very cultured and very New York and and we'd show up and she was there, I believe, like with um oh darn, who's the who's the who's the woman who directed um uh The Lion King and she did the movie Titus. Oh, uh, um, the, she makes she makes she's a designer originally, um, artistic. Uh, I I can't think that of lady. So, anyway, yeah. um, like oh, we're in the the high. This is not the our Lion normal. King stage play, right? Yeah, uh, what's uh, I can't think of her name. Julie, Julie Tam Tambor Tambor. Right. Okay. Right. And and so so like like we don't usually get to hang out with these people. And the same with Mike Nichols on Wolf, right? Like to to be able to to be like, you know. I mean, I was in a movie theater. I was like, I got to go see this movie, whatever it was at the time, right? And I get a call. I'm like, hello? And he says, it's the other thing. It's Mike. Hi, Mike Mike Nichols. Oh and I run yeah. out of the movie theater and wait because he, he wants to talk about, I need you to get on a plane and I need you to come to New York. We're having a very important meeting. And they fly me out to New York and, and then I sit there. I don't know how old I was, 30, some 30, early 30s or something with all these legends of, you know, his producers, people that, that I know of, like, and, uh, and they're like, are we hungry? Do we need a spread? Let's get a spread. Let's get this, oh, you know, God. and they bring in all these bagels and locks and <laughs> we all eat the, and everything's so civilized and calm. And he was just like, like Nora, Nora was very, um, very calm. She was, she was outwardly more neurotic, uh, than Mike, Mike, cause Mike had that performance aspect in his background mm. so he so he was always very debonair and charming and you know and nora was a little more like uh are those the wings are good i remember she had a <laughs> we showed her videos of the wings and she loved them but the big feathers were made out of vacuform plastic mm-hmm. and what we didn't do is have sound on the video when we so when she saw john wearing them at the test she heard the plastic rubbing and it's like credit cards rubbing together and that affected her right because sure. she's not a really like a known she wasn't known as a visual person sure. yeah. so she was like they look like plastic and then we had to like but nora they didn't look like plastic when you saw them on video they look like plastic in person i think and luckily her uh, ad kind of like explained Talked well you're hearing clip. something that you won't hear and then when the dailies were coming back she was like oh okay yeah oh i see oh i get it right mm-hmm. 
Um, but, but those are the, then totally unexpected. I, because as a visual person, I don't, I'm not necessarily seeing that one coming. Right. Yeah. What was Um, the inspiration for those wings then? Because in Michael, they're really amazing. They're huge. Well, they, they, uh, we looked at a lot of, you know, like old paintings, you know, classic paintings and angels in America was, I think big at at Mm -hmm. the time. So we were looking at that stuff and we really had to, because the way we tend to design is, is more nature based than strictly fanciful. Like, like to me, it would be unacceptable if he came out and he had like Victoria week secret style wings. Mm -hmm. Those are stylish and they look fashionable, but they are, they do not look like something that is organic or, or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. like a hardened archangel, you know? Yeah. yeah. So we had to like, look at like, you know, proportions of birds, you know, bodies to their wing spread. This is how they mm-hmm. get lift. This is how they fly. And if we were to do that and say, hey, what's it going to do to, to carry a 200 pound or maybe more John Travolta, he gained weight for the yeah, role. Was, yeah, you would have to have a 20 foot wingspan and there's no way we can do that, but we can kind of imply uh, a, a more powerful wing by the size of the flight feathers and which necessitated sculpting them because there was no, you know, and doing mm-hmm. vacuum forms, there's no such thing as a flight feather that is as big as what we, we did. So there was a lot of uh, back and forth. And Nora was very um, attentive to all of that. She wasn't a, she wasn't the kind of person that would just say, I ah, just do whatever you want. She, she was like, you know, well, what's this? Why justify this for me and explain, mm-hmm. walk me through this. So that got us there uh, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, Is there a favorite actor or director that you've worked with over the years? Um, or a couple gosh, of people that stand out? I, I've, I've had so much fun on, on movies, you know. Um, I would or, think working with these big comedians would be really fun, but maybe they're not always like um, on. Well, you know, when you work on a comedy, the mood tends to be lighter. You know, when you're working on something dreary or like, you know, an alien film, it tend, you're working in visually depressing um uh sets you know and you they're amazingly crafted and all that but you're still working in concrete with drippy you know all that if you're working in london you're freezing or if you're working in prague you're freezing you know and um whereas a, a comedy set you know you're surrounded by christmas stuff it starts yeah. to drive you a little crazy because <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's july you know yeah. but but it's still but it's still fun and and but i love you know david fincher was great to work with because it was his first alien 3 was his first feature film and we He's got to see him yeah. battling the studio uh you know in in the cult world it's a legendary battle between him and the studio um the, my experiences with james cameron you know who i started my career with carpooling from Orange County to work for Roger Corman with Jim Cameron, you know, um, okay. and then working with him on aliens, you know, that was super exciting. Um, Jumanji was a lot of fun. Joe Johnston was a blast. Mm-hmm. Robin Williams was so He's delightful. Yeah. Yeah. I love him. Just, Bonnie Hunt's a friend of mine too. And I worship her. Bonnie Hunt is She's amazing. The best, yeah. She's um, amazing. And Robin, I know Robin is. Jenna's, yeah. Like, I love favorite. him. Yeah. I have this doubt fire. You, uh, so nice. I love Ron. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. 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 he's so great. You might ask. Uh, you might ask Bonnie. Uh, um, I, I'm not. I'm not sure if she if she had a great time all the time. Really? Why? It was because it was a lot of just. Uh, yeah, I, I I was I was surprised that to hear that there was some uh, there was something that happened between her and the director. Oh, I was so surprised because Bonnie is just the nicest person. She's in the, the world. nicest. Yeah, her yeah. talk show was great too. I know. Yeah. I was. I know. Gone too yeah. soon. She's very cool. Um, Anyway, so you are doing this YouTube channel, which you mentioned, where you we do get to see a lot of the character designs that we might have never been able to see before. Uh, where can people find your YouTube channel? 
if they if they go to YouTube uh, and just uh, search Studio ADI's channel, that's yeah. the name of it, Studio ADI's channel. And your Instagram? Alec underscore Gillis. And anything else you want to tell us? I know we're a holiday movie podcast, but I'm obsessed with pop culture, so all of this is so fascinating to me, and I think a lot of people yes. that are listening. Uh, anything else you want to leave us with? Um, let's see. Uh, well, I think that you know you you stated it very well um, about the practical effects, uh, and and I I think not only is it is it is there a difference that audiences can see, but there is a uh, a need for it, right? Um, it's, it's not a, if, if you're, if you love movies, uh, then to me, uh, this is a very valuable tool that is on the verge of being cast aside. And it's like, I always say, well, if you're building a house, why would you just say, I'm not going to use a circular saw or whatever. Right. Um, and- do you think we could go back to, do you think there's a world where people do start to realize that practical effects are important or maybe it is the nostalgia factor where yeah it's it's hard for me like right now i feel i feel like there is a um uh it's okay it's hel- it's certainly healthy when it comes to makeup because there's a lot mm-hmm. of makeup being done and things like walking dead are very popular and those are all real practical makeup uh characters mm-hmm. animatronics is suffering a bit because uh uh, that's the kind of thing that can be done digitally mm-hmm. and and really if you want if you want really great animatronics it's either los angeles or london and also new zealand does mm-hmm. them weta does them well um but if you're shooting in a tax incentive land you can get your digital work done in central europe or in you know asia or wh- whatever um so it's not protect animatronics are not as protected. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder what like the next generation is going to be like who, who are growing up on video games and right. growing up with a more kind of graphic centric uh, entertainment base. Luckily they'll always have the, the older stuff to look back to and say, wow, that was kind of a golden age. Like mm-hmm. wh- why aren't we doing that it's happening a bit? You know, mm-hmm. Boots Riley who directed, um, Sorry to bother you is a big practical effects fan. Mm-hmm. He he said like listen if I'm going to put all my time into making a movie I want to have fun doing it mm. and 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 it's not fun to put a green tennis ball on a, a right. stick yeah. you know. And that's so true about Jurassic Park going back to that like the first one having the puppets you know and yeah. I think I, I saw one of the, the yeah. recent ones on a plane and they didn't use puppets and I was like this yeah. is an interesting the one. the most iconic shot that I remember is the um T-Rex yeah. foot which was yeah, squishing oh, yes. yeah squishing yeah. the mud and yeah it's yeah. like I do remember the CGI of like um in the field with more when oh. they were like in the field but the but the most mm-hmm. iconic thing I remember was the foot mm-hmm. yeah and the rear you have view a, mirror and you have those like the eye dilating right, the eye. And, yeah um, yeah, those yeah. were the shots that I feel like are most memorable. And a lot of them, yeah. you in actually in the in the first Jurassic Park, there's something like 11 minutes of practical effects puppets and four minutes of CGI, mm-hmm. and that's the split. And and those four minutes are very impactful. Mm-hmm. Sure. But uh, the workhorse was the practical effect. Did you yeah. see the new Jumanji movies? I saw the first of the new, and I <laughs> I liked it more than I thought yeah, because I love Jack Black, yeah. and I yeah. think The Rock is a genius. He's great. Agreed. It was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. They're coming out with another one too. Which yeah, is cool. yeah, I think it's out now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Kevin Hart. He, yeah. He's always, yeah. the, the cast is great. Yeah. Um. There is one more thing I have to ask you about. You just recently saw Share. <laughs> I did see Cher. Spoiler alert, your daughter. What did you think? What's your favorite Cher song? Um, can I tell you a story? Here's, yes. here's, here's, uh, here's how far back I go. My father, the aforementioned father, who was the insurance salesman, got me to the, the CBS studios to talk to a makeup artist and, uh, and sit in and watch him 
do. And he just happened that day to be doing um, dancers for the Sonny and Cher show. Uh. And then he said, do you want to go watch the dress rehearsal? So I got to go sit at like 11 years old. I got to sit. I was the only one in the audience. And I sat and I watched Sonny and Cher rehearse. I mean, amazing. And, And I was the only one. And and they were bantering together, and she was freaking beautiful. Yeah. And um, so this was a, my second time seeing her recently for uh, my birthday. Did you go also? She's yeah, he requested that for his 60th birthday, we go to Vegas to see Cher. That's what, I'm yeah. That's what I plan on doing in my 60th. Yeah, yeah. But favorite song probably goes back to the Sonny and Cher days. She does a, um, she does a really touching um, tribute where... He's on the screen and she's singing. She sings I got with you, babe. him. Yeah, right. it's great. Yeah, I love her. It's great. Well, Alec, this was such a delight. I, it's such an honor to talk to you. I mean, yes. really, we just kind of scratched the surface on some of your work. So I encourage everyone to go check out your YouTube channel, your Instagram, mm-hmm. and see some of the brilliant effects and things that you've done and worked on. Things that we grew up with. I mean, I, I, so many things that were touchstones in my childhood, which, I mean, we mentioned the Santa Claus movies, and I still, every time, every holiday season, I see those airing, it's like, I have to stop. And some of the things I remember most are those the, that scene in the doctor's office when he's jiggling his, his hair, belly, and, which is yeah. your father-in-law, right? I mean, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's, like, it's uh, amazing. And, and so cool. the reindeer, and yeah. there's so many things. So just thank you so much for all of these things that you've done for all of us and also thank you for chatting well thank you for having me you guys uh do a great job my daughter is a fan of yours and she's been she's been uh, she always comes over to me and says listen to this part listen to this (laughs) (laughs) hilarious anyway there's too many of them for me but thank you guys and thank you for taking an interest and helping keep the art alive not for me but for all the the you know uh cadre of of artists that are still working in this field you know, I was just at Barnes and Noble. I know I was wrapping this up, but I was just at Barnes and Noble, and there's a whole vinyl section now. Like the vinyls, I think for the first year this past year have like surpassed CD sales mm. since the interesting. And I'm like, I feel like that's. I hope that that happens with practical effects. And like, I hope there's like a renaissance. And I feel like nostalgia is so popular that maybe, uh, maybe people will start to realize that these are so important to these films that we love the family films and the marvel films and all of them anyway alec thank you so much and uh, follow you on social media for updates i know you're working on a film um so you can see all of that stuff on your social media yes my and everything that we're working on currently it takes a, about a year or so before we can get it up onto the social media okay. um uh, because of secrecy but oh, yeah. there's tons and tons of archival <laughs> stuff and, and and it's all behind the scenes stuff tests and you know, you know, mechanisms and things on the YouTube channel. Right. Well, this was such a fun chat. And yes. Jen and I will be back next week with a recap of New Year's Eve. <laughs> yes, the Gary Marshall the spectacular. Gary Marshall yes. So we'll be talking about that. Uh, thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you soon.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.